it's Tony Chapman, and welcome to Chatter That Matters. In this age of noise, I cut through the chaos and the confusion to focus on what matters most to your life, your career, your community, and our planet. At the beginning of every podcast, I ask an essential question, and then together, we go on a quest to mine for insights and identify the big ideas that will help you get to where you need to go. We have a math problem. We have an aging population that's going to demand more health care. We've got new diseases on the horizon, immunities to antibiotics, pressure on the system everywhere, and our government coffers are bare. See, the essential question of this podcast is will we, can we continue to get the health care we need and deserve? So I invited an individual I've known for many years, Paul Hemborough. I first met this guy two decades ago. He's just one of these guys that struck me. He had the shining eyes and passion and conviction. You know, he walked with that, the footstep that said he wanted to put a dent in the universe. He's had a great career. He's, uh, it, we're going to talk a little bit about it, but a variety of different uh, jobs from uh, operations to general management. And about 18 months ago, I think, and he surprised me by saying, I'm going to invest my equity and my sweat. And I'm going to spend my time focusing on how to answer that question and get the health care we deserve. Paul, welcome to the podcast. Ah, thank you, Tony, for having me today. Before we get into this whole Question. I want to just talk a little bit about you as an individual, because I sort of set you up as uh, almost your attributes. But where'd you go to school? Uh, I went to Carleton University. And so why Carleton? What made you choose that? Uh, I I don't think at that time it was really a choice. It was just more about doing the next level of education. I don't think I had a clear path in mind at that moment. So as you go to the school and you you walk in, I went to Carleton too. I remember the first couple of days looking around going, well, I don't know if I belong there. And then you sort of get a little bit of confidence and you start growing. But what did you learn in school besides academics that kind of gave you a sense of maybe finding that path in life? Uh, I, I think what I learned was I did want to learn and adapt and continuous to uh, improve myself. Um, I did take geography at that time. And my degree is in geography. However, it uh, really set me up for uh, the continuous life learning process that I want to go through and understand. So you, this continuous learning process, was that a, a combination of just not being satisfied you're getting what you needed at school or just this sort of innate curiosity? Uh, I think it's more on that uh, curiosity side. I, I kind of look at myself as a lifelong learner. Um, so when I graduated with a geography degree, I knew that was uh, not something I wanted to pursue. I did want to get into business. Unfortunately, I didn't have the mentors that kind of helped me uh, drive to that destination. But when I got out and got into working in the business, I knew that was my calling. And then I went about uh, starting to build up my business uh, career, my business uh, credentials at that moment. So when I looked at your LinkedIn page, I'm talking to Paul Hembro, and if you go to his LinkedIn page, you'll see it as well. You've got this sort of, uh, you call yourself a seasoned executive and leader with a proven track record of success, 20 years of experience in strategic marketing and Novartis Pharmaceuticals, 
and over 25 years in business to business and business to consumer sales and marketing. So that's about as far from geography as you can get. So when did the pivot happen? Uh, it, it happened when I actually got out of school and I got into, I worked in the fitness uh, industry and started to really just start to understand business. Uh, I worked for a large um, North American um, fitness company and saw what business and marketing and how you could drive a company through that thinking. So driving a company through marketing and sales, and then you've sort of moved from into this world of healthcare. Was it a natural progression of kind of going from fitness, which I would say is more entrepreneurial, somewhat undisciplined, to sort of this pharmaceutical world, which is very regulated and disciplined? How did that happen? Well, I had a chance to work in a marketing, uh, small marketing agency, in this, and which specialized in healthcare. Uh, we dealt with a lot of healthcare and pharmaceutical companies. Uh, big customer at, of ours at that time was Walmart, and started to see how um, pharmaceutical companies and healthcare started to come together, and really liked it, and started to spend more and more time researching, understanding, and, and looking at what the healthcare trends were to be more effective. So before we move into this whole question about healthcare and we're going forward, again, a little bit more on you, that everybody has strengths and weaknesses. What are yours? How do you build on one and overcome the other? Well, I think through my life, I've always been um, a constant achiever. Um, I have that constant need for achieving each and every day. Every day, I kind of set, set myself up at zero and say, okay, what can I accomplish today? What have I accomplished? And guide myself that way. So that, that ongoing pursuit has been something all my life. Um, also very competitive. Uh, I've, I've always been competitive in my life, and I always want to figure out how I can win and, and what that looks like. And then lastly, as I mentioned before, is I love continuously learning. I love continuous improvement and learning and understanding more. A lot of people out there, though, want status quo. So sometimes when you come off as this intensity, wanting to win, constantly learn, how do you mesh with someone that really maybe doesn't have that same appetite for change? Uh, I, I think it's, uh, it's really about, uh, for myself, it's, it's finding the path forward for, for most people. I think status quo... Personally, I get bored with. Um, I want to be able to change things. I want to be able to have an impact. So for those type of people, I think some people do want to change and most people do want to change. They may need help in that path or some guidance or some motivation. So I think I look to find those various uh, ways that I can help uh, change that status quo. So so talk a little bit about the weaknesses. You're sort of loaded one side. You've got a, you know cards in your hand. You're talking about intensity, competitive ability, will, willing to win curiosity, what's held you back, um, if anything? Well, I, I, don't, I, I don't think, I don't look at it as holding me back. I look at, uh, you know, I call it the MBA of life is, is the way I look at it. I, I look at uh, every interaction, um, every uh, job that I've had, every component as a building. I continue to build my skills and my experience and my understanding of the world of business and my perspective and continue to hone it. So I kind of always look at it as a building block perspective in my life. So we want to now move into healthcare, but in context from, first of all, what you've done and why did it matter to you? So let me begin by saying you joined this company, Hospitality Solutions. How long ago was that? Uh, that was in 2016. 2016. And at the time, if I can just visualize it, because this is an audio, it's basically those, what I considered some of the most, uh, the oldest technology I've ever seen, 
presenting some television shows to people that were captive in hospitals and charging a fair amount of money for that. Is that a fair way to describe I, that I business? I think that's a fair way to describe it. It was a hardware business uh, with little customer uh, understanding. And so, you know, when you joined it and you talked to me about it, I said, why would you get involved in a business like that? And that's where I really got a sense of an appetite that you saw there was more to healthcare than just this technology. And I remember you describing it in context with somebody that you was very close to you going through a lot of health problems. Tell us a little bit about that. So a couple of things. Um, what attracted me to this business that I think that was totally underdeveloped was it was a, it was a TV signal being broadcast to hospitals and to patients. Uh, it was a one-way conversation. So when I, when I came in for the interview with the company, I uh, put it on the line. I, I opened up, and it was to the board of directors and the, the CEO at the time. I opened it up with a big clock, and that clock indicated a minute towards midnight. And I said, that's about how much time this business has if it doesn't evolve and does not take on new technology. And, and presented my business case to the, to the team at that point. Um, what I wanted to show them and demonstrate, and, and that came from my personal um, experience I've had. My mother is 85, has been through the healthcare system tremendously for the last four or five years through operations, is that I saw what could happen if we actually open up the hospitals to have patient technology and the ability to actually have uh, current technology at the bedside. So that's where I presented and I kind of really put it on the line and... Um, you know, fortunately, um, it uh, kind of opened the door to start here. So you, you use this clock as a symbolism when you know, it's almost like the debt clock. Yes. The, so it's a, it makes a symbolic statement. You talk to the board about having to evolve, but the business was pretty profitable at the time. So what is an appetite for change when somebody knows that they're kind of risking the present for the possibility of the future? How do you get people to sort of have the mindset saying, I'm willing to take that bet? Well, uh, I did spend time and try to cultivate that uh, type of um, culture here at, at the organization at that time, Hospitality Network. I could see that uh, the people we had, the team, weren't able to take that task on. So that's when I got interested in partnering and finding the right partners to acquire the business to really drive it home with a new vision and a new uh, purpose. So you went after new capital, uh, brought in leadership, made some tough decisions. You also rebranded the company from hospitality to health hub. What was the motivation for doing that? Uh, well, twofold. One is... Um, we wanted to create change. We wanted to change it from the old branding that was a very um, uh, very flat, one-dimensional type of service, which was the TV. We want to speak to health, and we want to also speak to the idea of connection, hence Health Hub. We wanted to have connection at the bedside for our patients. So in an elevator, you've got uh, five floors to describe what this business is. What would you say what Health Hub is? Uh, we are a digital engagement platform for patients to engage more effectively with the hospital, care providers, uh, with family. Uh, we really want to be able to communicate effectively uh, through the healthcare system and through a digital platform. So with the patient sort of is at the, the center of the hub? 
The patient's really the core for us. Uh, we feel that if we can help empower the patient and help them be more informed, they can be a, a greater partner in their healthcare journey. Okay, so you're coming at it from the sense of health hub and putting the patient at the center. I want to pivot for a minute and go back to that essential question because we are dealing with uh, a crisis. We are dealing with uh, uh, patients demanding more, governments having less. What do we need to do to ensure that over the next 10, 20, 30, or 40 years, in fact, for our entirety, that when people are sick, they get the help they deserve? Well, the healthcare industry is at a crisis. So if we look today, currently as we stand, the, uh, the aging population right now represents about 17% of the population. However, they consume about 45% of healthcare spending. This is only going to increase in, 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 in scope and size as we move forward. So we have to look at technology and the use of technology to help provide better healthcare. So that's the core function that we need to look at today. So when you talk about technology in the private sector, it's, it's almost inevitable. It's becoming the lifeblood of the private sector saying, how do we harness technology, become faster, become better, become more efficient? In the healthcare system, where you've got so many people that have influence and authority, I mean, government who's funding it, the people within the healthcare community, the physicians, the, the, you know, there's just so many people at the table. How do you get people to embrace, and I almost go back to what we talked about before, embrace the future, knowing that it's very different than the current status quo? So it's a good question, Tony. It is a, I would say, an uphill battle. It's, uh, as you indicated, uh, there's funding crisis, there's, uh, there's lack of focus. Um, there, there's quite a few compelling events that go against this. But what we do see is the patient demand, the requirement. Patients want to have access to their healthcare records. They, want, uh, they don't want a piece of paper with their exercises on it when they're discharged. They want to be able to share that information in a more effective way. So patient demand is starting to push this and the requirements of the market saying, hey, we need to have a better digital engagement with our healthcare system. So, so using the patient then as your Trojan horse saying they're starting to demand it, is it, it, a lot of times when I see change nowadays, people try to do it within a silo. And I always say, you know, if you're in retail, Apple is the benchmark that consumers now demand from retail. If you're in the business of being an app, uh, it, it's an Amazon or an Expedia or, a, or a, one of the other apps that people rely on. If you're in the business of providing information, Google's your competitor. In other words, this consumer is demanding more for less, more of what matters to them, less friction and pain points. So how do you use this sense of consumer demand, this appetite, the sense of my phone's my mobile wand or, or my health hub's this mobile wand? How do you then present that to all the people with different pieces of influence and authority and have them view the patient as the one they're serving versus their individual silos? Does that make sense? So instead of a bunch of different silos, if you do truly put the patient at the hub, how do you make their voice heard? Well, it's a great question. So I think a couple of things. I look at patients and before they enter the hospital, they're consumers. They shop online, they study online, they research online. However, what happens today in Canada is when they walk into the hospital, those are all essentially removed. Uh, 
the, the patients don't have that sophisticated communication technology to help deliver their health care. So what we try to do, and it, and it is a step-by-step -step process, we give the patients the ability to give feedback, live instant feedback via surveys. We give the patient the ability to access their healthcare records and see what's happening. Um, we give the patient the ability uh, to order their menu for their, for their um, stay at the hospital to order their nutritional plan and menu. We try to give them control over a situation that they don't necessarily have control about and try to make it more of a comfortable space for them. So when you're talking about, it just makes a lot of sense. So the patient's your hero. The sense that they're going on a quest they didn't ask for. Nobody wants to go to a hospital. I mean, that's the last thing you want to be put in a hospital. It is a very, uh, it's a climate of uncertainty and insecurity, uh, unknown. Uh, you're trying to, and you have to involve your extended family, potentially your employer, your insurance company. So you try to put them at the hero, at, at the as a hero at the center of it. But aren't you getting a lot of pushback or wouldn't you get a lot of pushback? I mean, do hospitals want patients to have the immediacy of a survey? Do they want to give them the power to personalize menus? I mean, because you're, you're, there's a lot of operational issues that have to change if that's truly going to be executed on us. It's, it's more than the technology. It's, the, it's what's behind the technology. So it's a good point, Tony. If I kind of look at in the market, we are seeing healthcare executives starting to think about the change, starting to understand that this uh, digital trend that's in the market does impact and have effect upon how the hospital delivers care. The other component to this that also is starting to change, we've seen in Ontario, they started to have a clear digital plan, uh, digital healthcare plan. Um, policies, healthcare policies do have to change. They do have to modernize with current society. That's a common blocker that we have today. For example, uh, OHIP will not uh, be able to charge for today for doctor's time uh, for virtual consults. Um, that is something that has to develop. And, and so the, the healthcare policymakers have to take uh, charge to change things too. So when you bring everybody to the table, and I'm gonna keep pushing you on this, how do you, it is, the patient's voice, how do we amplify it to the point that people can lose, uh, lose their biases, their, 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 the moats they build around their silos and say, you know what, I'm willing to have these things come crashing down because this promised land is something where we're going to do a better job being what I think everybody gets into healthcare for, better job at delivering health. How do you? What are you doing as an organization? What's Health Hub doing at the table to get people to kind of remove the biases, break down the silos, and take these positive steps forward? So it's a great question, Tony. So what we've done is, although the core of this business has historically been entertainment, which I mentioned earlier, is that one-dimensional way of communicating. It's just the patient taking in information. We really look at it as it should be a two-way street. So how can that patient now communicate back to the hospital? So really what our focus on, the way we've taken this company, we just opened up a office in Waterloo. We have 14 employees down there. These are young tech employees that come from the Waterloo region that we're throwing the healthcare problems at from a design, a software side. So for example, we're doing a digital whiteboard. That whiteboard will give information on discharge date, appointments for the, for the patient, a 
a schedule and a calendar of events that the patient has during their hospital uh, time. Uh, we're also doing electronic discharge. This has been historically done in a paper format. We're now making it in electronic format and a PDF with videos and educational information that now helps the patient. So as they go back home, they're informed, they're educated, and they have more information for their healthcare journey. So moving forward, you're starting to create this in Waterloo. You're starting to bring it in. If you could wave this magic wand, describe a hospital five years from now and again why it will answer the essential question giving patients more of the health care they deserve and costing society less in terms of dollars tell me what that next five years looks like so i think the next five years is about how healthcare adopts digital and technology to help uh, reduce costs to make um, things more simplistic uh, for the patient. So for example, a patient will come in and they could already be pre-registered for their uh, appointments or for their procedure. They would have the information, the educational information and the understanding about the procedure and what next steps are as they enter the hospital. As they're in the hospital, they could be informed and have information and, and, and education in front of them to help them get through that procedure and the family members. Um, they will be connected throughout it uh, in terms of they would have information, entertainment. Um, they'll have a discharge, electronic discharge summary that will help them when they get discharged from the hospital in terms of next steps, support outside the hospital. I think the key is the most expensive place to treat a patient is in the hospital. How can we support the patient before and after is the key thing I think that digital technology can do. And we act as that bridge. So I'm talking to Paul Hembro from Health Hub Solutions and we asked the essential question is, can we do more with less? More of the healthcare that we're gonna want, more of the healthcare we're gonna need as our population ages, more of the big problems that we're gonna have to solve as, as medicine, uh, disease, viruses, antibiotics, all the, all the meaty issues that we have to deal with. And there's three things I learned from Paul today. That, and I think it's something that will impact you whether you're in healthcare or actually trying to embrace change. The first one is establish the desired outcome. And if you remember at the beginning of this podcast, Paul used a clock with one minute to midnight and talked about this is how much time we have left if we don't change. Just a statement that establishes a sense of urgency and the need. Second thing is when you do bring change forward. Don't bring it from your area, your silo. Don't try to do it just drawing a bridge across your moat. Make it personal. In this case, he talked about in storytelling that the patient was the hero. He talked about the uncertainty and insecurity of walking into a, or being admitted to a hospital, losing control of your life, uh, being uh, frightened, and, and how important it would be if you could put all the information into one source that someone could admit themselves, plan their menus, understand when they're going to be let go, next steps, scheduling. Their, their entire world was organized. We, we took the un out of uncertainty. We took the in out of insecurity. And then the final thing is that um, bring everybody together and make them realize that 
there's a person behind a brand personality. In this case, Paul used his mother and going through healthcare for the four years, not only to give him his inner drive, but when he went in front of hospitals to just talk about what mattered most. Can healthcare be there for us in the next five or 10 years? I hope so. And I hope that we see many more companies like Health Hub and individuals like Paul Embro uh, take up this cause and find a way that we can do more with less. Tony Chapman, Chatter That Matters. You've been listening to Chatter That Matters. If you haven't done so already, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. You can connect with Tony on Twitter at Tony Chapman, through LinkedIn at Tony Chapman Reactions, or visit his website, TonyChapmanReactions.com. Chatter That Matters is produced by Tony Chapman Reactions and High Contact Productions. I'm Dave Trafford. <laughs>